Not Against Like for Jaywalk, amongst other things, really helped me sort of put orienteering into perspective that I find I do best when it's sort of part of a tapestry of life. Like, it's a piece in a puzzle. I don't, like, personally, I don't think I could move to a Scandinavian club hut in the middle of the woods and just live as a hermit. Hello and welcome to The Run-In. Coming up on today's episode, we've got a fantastic interview with Tam Wilson, who's going to be making not quite his senior debut, as we thought, but his, uh, you know, major championships debut on the senior team for Great Britain uh, running at the European Championships next week. So it's a really exciting chat um, from him. He absolutely never expected to go, but because he is currently in Barcelona, he is able to make it there um, alongside um, Joe Shepard, Ralph Street and Megan Carter-Davis. And actually, that's what we're going to talk about first. Um, Will you and Tam talk a little bit about um, EOC in the interview um, and try and kind of fail to make some predictions? So I think we're, it's, it's like it's so tight on the sprint. Let's We're not even going to go there. But uh, I think we should kind of run through where it is, when it is, how you can listen, basically. So um, it's in Switzerland. It's in the French speaking part of Switzerland. It's in a place called Neuchâtel. And most of the, the races are, they're all pretty close together. Um, they're all in Neuchâtel apart from the knockout sprint qualification, which is in Saint-Blaise. Um, uh, yeah, so nicely kind of packed schedule. We've got, um, we start up with a sprint relay, which is on Thursday, which is going to be very, very exciting one. So that's the 13th of May. Um, Fast and Furious as usual, four legs from around about 4.30 um, in the afternoon. You'll be able to watch that. And yeah, we have got a team, thankfully, because we have got four athletes who are hopefully all able to actually make it there. I mean, touch wood. And that would be pretty dramatic if we say, yeah, we've got a team, and then they don't actually manage to make it there. Um, We've got this knockout sprint qualification on the Friday. So that's where they all kind of run. There's three different heats, and it's the top um, however many there make it into the finals 15 which will, to 20 I think yep 15 to 20 which will be in the next um, the next day they're going to be racing those quarterfinals semifinals and finals and I believe we're broadcasting the semis and the finals um, and that's kind of like Saturday, uh, Saturday lunchtime afternoon and then we've got kind of the individual classic sprint on the Sunday as well once they're all kind of knackered out from a lot of racing and especially if you've well at least at least this you know the knockout sprint is over two days yeah yeah which makes it a lot easier um and then the the final sprint is top 40 from the qualification race i think that uh they go through yeah um yeah to race that one but yeah i mean it's not even tough you know if you've (laughs) spread out over four days two days the whole point is that it's uh it's back to back but i think that probably does make the program overall a bit tougher because you don't have a rest day after the sprint relay so if you're doing all three then you've got something every day and the mental stress every day of you know getting up going into quarantine and all that but um yeah it's a packed program it is a packed program have you had a look at some of the maps see what the kind of terrain's like yes yeah, so with where they're where they're going to be um i do have the map up in front of me new chantel is kind of a a bit of a classic Swiss lake town um, on the borders of a nice big alpine lake um, and got some quite steep hilly sections around a castle which has got some overpasses and um, tunnel cut-throughs, a bit like yeah, these classic kind of old town sections and then more <laughs> residential open 
classic European city centre, you know, just big wide boulevards and maybe some alleyways that'll be opened up through the middle of them. Um, on one side of the town and the other side of the town is a bit more hilly, gardens, you know, a lot of stairs, a lot of alleyways and um, a bit more intricate navigation than the big wide open streets, which I think we've seen quite a lot in the last few world champs in especially in Latvia mm. and places like uh, Italy as well. So we'll kind of a good contrast across the races um, for, you know, for everything that's going on. I think it's overall a very fast looking area and terrain. So I think speed is going to be more prevalent than technical ability, maybe, especially at the end of a qualification. Um, I'm sorry, at the end of a, a knockout sprint. Well, you say that, but then, you know, we saw the what I really enjoyed when the last time we were in Switzerland for the World Cup was the fact that you had to be right on the orienteering at the end. And I those races were planned so brilliantly that there was the ability to, as we saw, you know, we saw Ralph make a different route choice and he was able to kind of overtake a lot of the others. It was incredible. So as much as you, you need the speed but you, I really hope they're going to be races where you can make a difference with the orienteering. And the planners of the races are um, have some kind of high-quality uh, calibre. There's um, Andreas Kibbertz and Fabian Hertner are planning the, have planned the knockout sprint. They're both um, only just former, um, like, Swiss national team members. And we've got Judith Vida as one of the planners for the sprint race. Again, like, only just... Um, left the Swiss national team. Fanta- like great results from all of those runners. So it's going to be quite interesting to see them being planned from almost like from an elite perspective. Mm. Yeah, and I do wonder kind of how they're going to uh, how they're going to structure things if they'll uh, if they'll just play it to the you know the favor of their home country and the team mm. that they know so well, um, or if they're going to. Uh, make it a bit more kind of suited to their own characteristics of what they'd like to have from a sprint race and uh, how they'd feel it'd be a good one for them to win given they're so so quickly out of the elite ranks but, well uh, I think, no, I think the, it's going to be very high caliber yeah. and I think the the Swiss are always going to be favorites here to be honest um yes. in the men's yeah. and the women's class they are fantastic at the sprints with the likes of Daniel Hoodman, Joey Haddorn, Matthias Kibberts on the women's side, Eleanor Ross, Simon Abersold, like they're both, they're all fantastic. And I think they could really do some great, great sprinting. And then we'll see where everybody else is going to get slotted around them. I think, you know, we've got some good shouts on, particularly with Ralph and Megan on our team. Um, And I'm trying to like have a little look out. I haven't really properly started my... um, full-on prep for this the commentary yet but i'm trying to keep an eye out to see if any other nations are affected like we are i imagine some of those who like new zealand australia who would maybe send some teams even though they're not eligible for the european like titles um would be quite affected but um i haven't yet seen if there's any other kind of nations affected i think all the the main ones are are able to send full teams but i will try and keep an eye out and highlight that in commentary um because i think well britain could may well be the only nation with restrictions on their team um at a at a national level as opposed to individuals just choosing that they'd rather not 
go. Um, but we will wait and Could see. Be. I'm not sure if the Irish are going or not. I've not seen anything from them, any announcements from them. Um, so they might be the only other ones. Yes, I will. That's like a good shot. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone else is as affected as as Britain, which is just such a shame. <laughs> it is. It yeah. is. But you know we've got to we've got to take what it is and so yeah next episode we'll bring you kind of some of the results and our take on that um yeah so you can catch it all on the iof live stream where i'll be commentating on um most of the races i think we're not doing the knockout quality but we're doing everything else um and will we've also got some news from a little elite relay going on in um scandinavia in in sweden the kind of equivalent of tiamila uh, an alternative to Tia Mila that's happened this year mm. with uh, yeah six legs per team. Six legs per team. They're only about um, kind of just over thirty in the women's race. I think around forty-five in the men's race. And it started um, with three legs in the night, three um, stopping the relay then, and then three legs in the daylight the next morning. And uh, first time for the women's race having a um, section in the night as well, which is a good kind of to see how that would go with any changes made to Tia Miller um, in the future, as we were discussing on a, a few podcasts ago. And uh, in the women's race, that was won by OK Tisserin. Um, I think it's been a while since they've won a major relay. Last time they had Simona Nigley in their ranks. So mm. uh, a bit of a while from them and, and that they're coming back to win that one, which is, which is cool to see. Um, second place, EFK Hürtberg and Hürtberg Mayona in the third place as well. Um, and then in the men's race, you had Storatuna winning um, winning that one. I think they've got a... There was four out of the six legs were... Svensk brothers. Svensk family. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, uh, following on from uh, their Eucala. I think they won Eucala a couple of years ago, didn't they? Mm. Um, and then in second place was OK Ravinen. And then in third place was EFK Kutterberg. So, uh, and that was a sprint finish between Gustav Bergman and Max Petterbiemer as well. So, nice. interesting how those two go at the European Champs after strong performances there. And Gustav, I think, got pipped by his clubmate, Axel Gronkvist, at the Swedish... Swiss no- a Swedish uh, knockout sprint. Swedish yeah. knockout champs, when everyone else turned the wrong direction, and then Axel... Uh, yeah, they all they all kind of made a parallel error, didn't they? They went in too early. Yeah. And then... But it was, like, it was so dramatic at the end, we couldn't figure out what what had gone on, like, with the, with the coverage. It was, it was just like, what? Um, yeah, so he managed to... He was right at the back of the pack and didn't make the mistake and then got ahead of everybody. See, this is the thing about knockout sprint. You have to keep orienteering all the way till the end. And that's what yeah. I hope to see. Um, the, like, in this next week, it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be really good. And hopefully, I mean, the Brits will... Uh pay heed to that advice and come back with some silverware. Well, we never know. But one um, Brit who is going, uh, he hasn't got too many expectations on himself. It's going to be his uh, major um, champs debut is Tam Wilson. And Will, you were catching up with him earlier. So, Tam, welcome welcome to the to the running podcast. Firstly, how's it all going? Whereabouts are you? Uh, well, thanks for having me. I finally made it. Um, I'm at the moment. I'm in Barcelona. I'm doing a PhD. I've been here for about six months. So, yeah, things are okay. <laughs> could be could be worse. How was it 
heading over to Spain, kind of mid-pandemic, um, given everything that was going on with, with Europe and Spain and the uh, strictness of the lockdown over there initially? So I came over uh, uh, end of October, start of November, and it was kind of just as things were picking up again. So I was actually surprised at how busy it was in all the airports. But uh, I got here and, well, we haven't been in lockdown, but we've had other restrictions. So I think for the most part, it's been fairly comparable to how things have been in the UK. But um, mm. yeah, things are starting to open up slowly again. So. Oh, good, good. And I guess moving to somewhere new like that, you know, has has the COVID had the added impact of the stress to it or uh, or made it a bit easier? I don't know. I mean, everyone always says like, oh, it must be a bad time for you to like go abroad. But I don't know. Like, it's a bad time to do anything at the moment, really. So <laughs> that is true. Like, might as well spend it somewhere nice. And I'm here for four years. So. Well, oh, that's the plan. Excellent. I'm doing a PhD, so maybe longer, or well, I guess maybe shorter. But um, yeah, I mean things will slowly open up, hopefully, uh, and life will slowly return to normal. I'm looking forward to, well, like going to a bar. I've been here for six months and I haven't even been to a bar. So <laughs> when inevitably people come and visit me when travels happens, they'll be like, "Where's good to go? Like, where should we go for a drink?" And I'll be like, "You tell me. Like, let's go for an adventure. Let's find somewhere." Oh no, that'd be sweet, and especially in the summer when it gets a bit warmer. Yeah, as well. yeah. I have. Um, I mean, I have a sofa in my. Uh, I have a sofa in my flat, so I'm expecting a lot of people to come and to come and visit. <laughs> wow, sign me up. Um, <laughs> and then how's how's it impacted you, kind of training wise, of shifting from because you were at Edinburgh University before, and you know, great training environment there with lots of people. How's it been, kind of shifting to Spain and starting to to train over there? Because the reason we're talking to you is obviously because you've just been selected for European champs and I assume you have been doing training. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, thanks to the selection. I mean, a bit of a surprise. Uh, a bit of being in the right place at the right time. Uh, the right place being anywhere in Europe other than Britain. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I got here and it was, you know, new country, COVID as we were saying, like new well, PhD, new job more or less, like, it's a lot going on. So I was, for like a few months, I sort of trundled along happily, go like running, obviously, but not doing anything serious. And then start of this year, I was like, right, enough messing about, let's do some intervals and let's get on with it. And so the last few months I've been training well. And then, yeah, then I got the email saying like, does anyone not living in the UK want to like throw their name into the ring? So I thought, like why not <laughs> yeah and yeah here I am and then once uh, I got the got the nod I uh, sent a message to the guy in the Spanish team I know that lived in Barcelona and he sent me like 30 sprint maps of Barcelona and <laughs> the last like three weeks I've been absolutely like cramming for an exam I've been like at every opportunity I've been doing another sprint map so I've probably done more controls in the last three weeks than I have well, probably all of 2020, certainly. So, uh, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> could be a lot worse. And I think I'm in okay shape. Probably not as good as, you know, maybe the team would have been otherwise. But I don't know. I'll do my best. <laughs> See how it goes. Wow, it's all, it's all relative, isn't it? Probably putting in more more orienteering hours than people would have heard. This been... is true. I've, I mean, I've done some orienteering races in the last few weeks, which is probably more than a lot of... British yeah, people are done, so uh, 
but yeah, I don't know. It's it'll be it'll be interesting one way or another. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. it should be fun. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. So I guess let let's take a step back and run through how how you got selected because it's not the traditional way of getting selected for your first senior international. I think your first well, international in general. Well, well, I mean, I, I went I went to UIOC. I've been to Jack a few times. Oh right, okay. But I, I, yeah, I'm glad you've invited me onto the podcast so I can get the record straight because I have. I went to Euro meeting in 2017. As much as I would like to forget it, you were there for the record, so I don't know what your excuse oh, is. Was I? Yeah, it was oh, in God. Norway, <laughs> and oh, it was yeah. like two chasing middles and a long, and <laughs> like the British team was terrible. I was second last on both the middles, and on the long I was last by 25 minutes the last five people on the long were all British and so like I was 35 minutes behind the last non-British person and like over an hour down on the winner so as much as I would like to forget it I have done an international competition oh, so I got, well, I've got that a kit is, that so I just kept for something no I mean <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about that Norwegian one yeah 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 no it was um, it was that was tough it was a laugh definitely <laughs> yeah but you no, know, that was on the long. I just the long leg got to number seven or something. I just completely went walkabout. One of the few times, you know, you do uh, a mistake and you're just standing there in the forest, like I could be anywhere on this map. I have zero clue where I am, and so I just went for a wander and relocated eventually. So uh, yeah, I mean, fin- the only- you finished. Yes, this is true. The only the only way is up. I'd like to say if I'm last by thirty five minutes on one of the courses at Euro- the Europeans, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll have to reevaluate a few things. So, uh. well, yeah, that that could actually be more impressive than yeah than winning. It certainly would get yeah, would get been... the name out there. Certainly, and all, all, all publicity is good publicity, right? So, uh, we we exactly. see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So so not your not your senior debut, but how are you? approaching this because last time was obviously forest very different to knockout sprint sprint have you done a knockout sprint before not a proper one i mean i've done one well i've done a few like once i think it was like two years ago in edinburgh there was i got basically got invited along via alex carcass i think to some training that was being done that was knock proper knockout sprint it was pr- pr- planned by like gray mackland around so a really technical area, proper knockout sprint courses, and it was like, well, me, Carcass, and like Chris Jones, Pete, I think Schminty, like, it was a good, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, proper training. Some hitters. So I've, I mean, I've done it once, and uh, obviously I've looked at maps and stuff online, but uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting experience. But uh, mm. I don't know. I mean, aims for the competition, I guess, it just have a good run. I like, I have, I have no idea. I would like. I know some of the Spanish guys going from my limited interaction with the Spanish team since I've been here, and so it would be nice to beat some of them, I guess, and to you know assert some dominance and show that I'm here. <laughs> but uh, I I don't know, like <laughs> I really have no clue. So I guess this is good in a way. Like I could, you know, there's no there's not too much weight of pressure or expectations, mm, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to do well, and so we see. I don't, I don't really have a defined goal. Maybe I should think about yeah. it, but uh, no. Wow, I think it's nice to have that kind of almost clean slate, isn't it? Of just going in and and doing what you can and seeing what happens, rather than the pressure of a set 
especially with knockout, I think it's so hard to set a set position to finish it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be not, obviously, I'd, I'd like to qualify. I'd like to actually do a head tread knockout race, and anything after that would be a would be a win. But you know, I mean, a sprint mm. or enduring, like anything can happen, I guess. But also, like anything, anything can happen. Anyone can miss a control, run past it in the heat of the moment. Yeah, the, uh, take a, I think take a good route choice to last control. Yeah, anything. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thinking back, yeah, because the Brits in Switzerland last time was uh, Ralph did the sneaky route, and then uh, I think Chris Jones had the pace. Um, had the pace, but ran, ran past the first control. Oh and yeah, missed everyone else <laughs> turning off to the right. No, I mean sprint yeah. touring is always a bit random. So I don't know. Hopefully, it's random in my favour. <laughs> yeah. No. Obviously. Hopefully. And um, I guess was this was this on your radar at the start of the year when you said you were kind of right, let's hit the ground running, let's start doing reps and things like that. Was this on your radar? No, to... not at all. I had... No? My radar was like... I don't know. Just like get in shape and go to some... There's some Spanish champs, like league races coming up. I mean, whether they get delayed or cancelled is another question, but I was like, mm. okay, it'd be nice to like compete with the big boys and uh, then come the summer, like... I don't know, like just when everyone gets back to racing, it'd be nice to not be, not be terrible, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, I like, yeah, I mean, aiming for set competitions at the moment isn't really, I don't know, is a bit, you know, at any given moment, any competition can get cancelled. So it's a bit dangerous to try and pin your hopes on any one thing, I think. So mm. I don't know, go with the flow, see what I can do and well, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And has that been tapering any of the looking forward to the competition at all? Of, you know, well, what if, I don't I mean, I'm not sure what Spain's situation is exactly like, but, you know, restrictions could come in that could mean you a stop from going? I, I doubt that's the case. I don't think so. I think because, you know, uh, we're in the EU. Well, there. Spain is in the EU. I think that's kind of helps with the travel. In fact, I mean, Actually, bars are meant to open in the evenings for the first time the day before I fly, so it could all go horribly wrong, maybe. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, or getting out at the perfect time. Oh yeah, well, well we see. I mean, if travel restrictions come in the day before I fly, like, what can I do about it anyway? Like, this is the thing yeah. with COVID. Like, almost everything's out of your hands. So yeah, I don't, that's how I got here in the first place. And if I can't go, then then I can't go. So I just, at the moment, I'm planning to go. And once I get there, I'll definitely feel a lot better about it. <laughs> because, I, you know, at the moment, there's all flights and tests and getting into the sort of athlete's bubble and all these sort of things to worry about. And But then once I, well, once I get to the start line, I don't, I'm not sure I'll be calm. I think I'll be nervous in a different way. But um, I think it'll be a more enjoyable experience once I get there. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And that. Uh... I guess the day that we're talking is is two weeks out from the competition itself. Do you want to run us through your plans for the next two weeks of how you're going to get to that start line? Uh, so I've got a few more good maps I've identified around Barcelona that are similar-ish to some of the areas. I'm going to try and do a few of them and then just sort of ease down the training, I guess, and do a bit of geeking and I fly out like a couple of days before the competition just roll into it I mean I'm never really sure how to do a good taper I've tried a few different things and I, like 
so I mean, I but one time for, for the JK, I tapered down perfectly. I thought, and then immediately got horribly ill, and <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know, like maybe I did it wrong, and then, you know, then you can go into a competition on huge miles, and it can all be fine. So, I don't know, just not do anything crazy and ease things down a bit, and you know, and then see what happens. Run fast, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, well, and um, I guess we'll get on to kind of we'll, we'll run through a few predictions maybe of of who who you think could win because that could be quite fun. But uh, I guess looking to the long term after this competition and and not just looking at the immediate go- the immediate goals of it, do you see this as a bit of a stepping stone to uh, to more selections coming in the late later in the year or uh, you know home world champs in a couple of years in in Edinburgh for the sprint? Because I think traditionally you've been more of a forest guy. That's where your better results have come from. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely true. Results. But this is, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I enjoy spin orienteering, but I think I enjoy the sort of a thing to do every now and then. It's like fun with a nice area. I guess I have never, compared to some of the other guys, I've not quite had the top end speed, which you need to be like a really good spin orienteer. So... Yeah, I kind of, and I can navigate okay, so I've kind of done better in the forest traditionally. But I mean, I don't know, this could be the start of a glorious sprint career, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, as I said, I don't know. May, like, it was mentioned to me that maybe, you know, the UK travel restrictions could stay in place and then the same thing could happen for walk, which would be, like, I don't think this will happen. But, I mean, I mean, it's worth pe- preparing for. I guess so. Like, oh, I mean, one step at a time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like I mean, I was never planning to go to Walker Europeans this year. Like maybe long term, but uh, I don't know. Like maybe in a few years, if things go that way, I don't know. I mean, my plans for interioring have never really been super super long term. Just trying to think of, like a year at a time. And at this point, it was go to Spain, travel a bit, do some races, try and get a bit fast, and then maybe in a year or two, uh, the, running in Edinburgh for the walk would be. Uh, it would be would be amazing. Getting selected for GB in a regular year for sprint is a tricky tricky thing. But because the because it got pushed back and the embargo reset, I'm now eligible again after breaking the embargo repeatedly. So oh, I am nice. technically eligible yeah. again. So uh, I don't know. Never say never, I guess. But uh, stranger things have happened. Yes, this is true. I mean, Thanks. if you told me, I don't know, a year ago, well maybe a bit more, a year and a half ago, that you'll be going to the sprint European champs, I'll be I don't know. I'd be like, <laughs> "What are you? What, what are you on?" <laughs> oh well, don't don't do yourself down. And, and obviously, there's the sprint relay as well, which I think Britain's had a pretty good average of results in over the last few years. And I don't really see that changing with the group of athletes selected to go this year. Is that something you've been thinking about at all, as well as the individuals, or are you just seeing how that one comes to you? I mean, the. the, the... The team has worked out, so there's two guys and two girls, and yeah, I mean, Ralph as regular in the sprint relay got a bronze, as we said, and Meg is Meg and got like fourth in Jaywalk and everything. And Joe, although maybe not a sprinter, is like regular in the GB team, and then me. I don't know. It seems to me like this this team is like one Chris Jones away from being like a title contender. So I don't know. I'll go out and run hard, and yeah, I mean, this is probably my best chance to do well if. But, uh, no, I mean, relays are always, I find at least, some of the most fun orienteering you can do. So, 
mm. uh, doing a relay with like world champs, world class of orienteers should be, be more fun. <laughs> should be memorable at the very least. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, no, God, I'm jealous actually of you just saying that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'll be there. Um, and what kind of, I guess, thinking about those, those words and, you know, Britain is moving to, I guess, more world-class in some respects with, with the sprint team and kind of getting a really good crop of athletes and now yourself obviously included in that. Um, having never done a, a junior world championship, that, that forms such a big part of junior and tears growing up and then making the senior transition, but you never made it to a, to a J. What kind of advice do you have for, for any juniors that miss that but then still trying to push on in the sport, I guess, like yourself? Yeah, I was so. I mean, yeah. Obviously, at the time, you're like you're working, especially being in Edinburgh. You're surrounded by everyone is going for jaywalk, and you don't make it. And it's kind of like wow. Yeah, you know, your last jaywalk is that's like the peak of your junior career, and mm. you don't make it. And it's like, oh well, where are we now? And as like, I mean, it's been mentioned on this podcast many times, but you you like you graduate from jaywalk, and it's kind of you're thrown out into the scary abyss of senior orienteering. And you're kind of, there's this gap between when you can contend and it was kind of, it was difficult. Like, it's difficult to think, like, especially, like, in this time in Edinburgh, I was living in a flat with five orienteers and, you know, well, I mean, to paraphrase a song, like, orienteering was our life and everything was like, we were running every day. And it was like, it was amazing. It was good. Like, I, uh, like, unbelievable, like, a great way to get fit. But then... I don't know, after a few years it was kind of like, well, you know, maybe there's more to life than orienteering. <laughs> and so it's like, then this jaywalk and you think it's like, well, I don't know, like you maybe need to, I need to diversify my interests. So after it, like, I tried to, you know, join a few other university clubs and do other things. And then, actually, I don't know if this was just coincidence of like still training and getting older and fitter, but actually then this is what I found I was actually running some of the best I've getting some of the best orienteering results I've ever had so I think I found orienteering is sort of not getting selected for jaywalk amongst other things really helped me sort of put orienteering into perspective that I find I do best when it's sort of part of a I don't know a tapestry of life like it's a piece in a puzzle I don't like I don't think I can I don't know personally I don't think I could move to a Scandinavian club hut in the middle of the woods and just live as a hermit for the rest, for like a year. Like, I think I need to be able to, I don't know, go do something else sometimes and not think about orienteering, which is like partially why I ended up in Spain. Like when I was applying everywhere, I like, I was just looking for somewhere to go. And I got an offer from Oslo University and I got an offer from one in Switzerland as well, actually, which would have been interesting to go to. And I got one from Barcelona and I was like, well, like where... Like, where do I want to go? Like, the, every place has a different pro and con. And, uh, I don't know. I, I just had this image of myself, like, breaking my leg and sitting in Oslo in the snow versus, like, sitting on the mm. terrace in Barcelona, like, enjoying some beer in the sun, which is, you know, totally steering into every cliche you're going. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I can't complain what it's like being here and it's so far so good. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that, I think that makes absolutely makes a lot of sense you know that you need that decompression from sport to actually still enjoy it at a certain point don't you you can't you can't be all obsessed with it 
every single day for your whole life. Yeah, just like yeah. the grind. It wears you down. It's yeah, like absolutely too much. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, which gets burnout, and then I think especially junior to senior, you know, you get that burnout of trying so yeah. hard to make it, and then uh, yeah, it becomes tough. Um, and then. I guess we've, we've we've gone for range for the rest of the season. Um, let's talk about the races themselves in Switzerland, knockout, individual, and uh, and relay. I'd like to pick your brains on some uh, on some results for people. Let's do some predictions of who you think will, uh, other other than yourself and the British team, obviously, um, dominating dominating everything. Yes, gold silver for Ralph and me, of course. Yeah, <laughs> gold for you, silver for Ralph. Yes, yes. Sprint finish. Yeah. It's a photo finish on the line. <laughs> uh, so I guess maybe how do, how do you see the knockout going? First of all, I think that's the first one up, isn't it? I think for me, like I have, like as I was saying before, like I have no expectations, so I don't. You know, there's always the sort of problem with the qualifier. Like, how do I pace it? Like, how do you, you don't spend all the energy? But I think I'm in the position that I don't really have this, so I just. I run as hard as I can in the qualifier and I just keep doing that until I don't make it and I don't know I mean I'm already like playing with house money so just give it my all and yeah I don't know I would just love to as I said before I'd love to make it into a head-to-head runner's choice bit and then we see No, no absolutely and any kind of any thoughts on I guess it's so wide open is it with the knockout on who could uh who could do well from a foreign foreign side of things or and maybe pick a winner I I think I I mean I think one of the Swiss boys they're at home I don't actually know exactly which ones are going but I no I've no idea actually no well like some of the Swiss boys they'll be running fast and they'll be you know they'll have probably been here before I think this is a fairly like this is an area that's been used a few times before so my money's on one of them and pr- probably the same for the women as well. Yeah. Although, well, I, I maybe should have done some research. I have no idea who's going. <laughs> to me, it doesn't really matter. I don't really like, like, world class athletes are world class athletes. So, um, that is true. That is true. Well, let's let's skip the individual and go for the relay. Let's. That's a bit easier, I think, of of picking countries for uh, for the relay. How do you see that one panning out? Do you know which leg you're on, actually, yet? I have no idea. I, w- I think we're maybe discussing about it at a team meeting in the next few days. But, I w- well, I would put myself on two, Ralph on three, Meg on four, Joe on one. I think Any th- reason for that? I think this leaves me with more pack running, hopefully. So even if I'm getting slowly dropped by people, I can cl- cling on to them as long as possible. And then Ralph probably can come into his own, and then Meg... Well, Meg's won gold medals in the last legs of sprint relays before. Well, not saying she'll win the gold, but you know she she can she can do it. So uh, yeah. <laughs> and well, for the the podium, I don't know. That's Switzerland again. It's hard to look past them. They've got such a depth of people, and yeah, them being at home. Yeah, no, that's a fair choice. And then probably Britain just behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of course. Of Taking up one of the other spots. Yeah, maybe. well. Uh, sorry go ahead no I was saying maybe why well, yeah just so difficult to know because I I don't know maybe Sweden depending on who's going but like mm, they've got some good people to be fair if you get Tove yeah it's a bit of an if Gustav yeah but uh, again you know it only takes a few people to decide they don't want to risk the travel and it's, 
their team falls apart. So um, no, let's uh, let's see. It makes things more interesting. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Well, um, I think we'll we'll leave it there, Tam, and let you get back to training and prep for uh, for the championships. And obviously, best of luck and congratulations on yeah. your selection. And thanks again. Hope you go well. Yeah, thanks. So best of luck to Tam and the rest of the British team at the Europeans. Um, I think maybe his very relaxed attitude could serve him well, to be honest, um, at the championships, mm. because take the pressure off, have a normal race, could be fine. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it'll go great guns. Well, we will wait and see. Uh, that is in, of course, a week's time he'll be racing. Um, that's pretty much the end of this episode. Uh, will, uh, have you got some of word from our sponsors, Envy and Straight Compasses? Certainly do, certainly do. So with the unseasonably cold and wet weather I think we've been having in the UK at the moment, um, been a bit of a nightmare trying to pick what shoes to wear because the, the countryside around me has gone from dry to wet to dry to wet. So... I've been favoring the Envy Terra TT, which has got a bit more cushioning from some, um, almost like the Adidas Ultra Boost foam, just to give you a bit more cushioning on the harder ground, but then at the same time got really good grip for when the, uh, the hailstorms suddenly swoop in <laughs> and you're sliding all over the place. So they've been the go-to uh, for me recently. And if you would like to get a pair of Envys, you can contact Envy Straight UK, which is run by Mary Fleming at envystraight.uksales at gmail.com that's n-v-i-i-s-t-r the number eight dot uksales at gmail.com but Catherine I think that's us for this week that and is us for this week next time we'll be speaking post-Europeans yeah exactly this time next week it'll be the Europeans we've got a sprint episode with Tam coming out it feels like a sprint episode coinciding with the sprint Europeans oh, it's just meant to be <laughs> and then of course we're going to be uh, coming back with all our um, analysis of the results from the European Championships in a couple of weeks time so we'll see you then bye